Welcome to another edition of Across the Line. On this episode, we talk about the new ASCAL's development team that is expected to take part in the upcoming Philippines Football League. This an interesting dynamic with regards to players who are up and coming but are still participating in the UAAP and are ineligible to play in professional capacities. So there are a lot of dynamics at play here between the UAP and the collegiate game and the professional league and potentially the bridge which is the ASCAL's development team. We break it all down on this episode and we hope you come along for the ride. So if you enjoy this episode and you enjoy the football content that we provide here on Across the Line, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy this episode. Less than a week away from the start of the UAAP season and uh, indications are pointing towards the fact that there will be an ASCAL's development team playing in the Philippines Football League. So there's going to be an interesting dynamic being played uh, between this under-22, under-23 side and the players that are playing in the UAAP but could be plying their trade on the professional stage already. Jing Amlang and Chris Greywich. How are you, sir? Going to discuss a little bit about how this is going to play out now over the next year or so. Uh, that there is this new dynamic of this under 22, under 23 side that is going to be playing week in, week out now in the PFL. That seems that is a new thing that has transpired since the SEA Games um, happened here in the country. I'm guessing it's off the back of that feel-good factor that that tournament produced. I, I don't want to say it was a resounding success because obviously they, were, they fell short of their goal of qualifying mm. um, for the knockout round and ultimately we, we wanted to win a, win a medal, right? But I think there were definitely some signs of positivity to come out of that, um, that group of players and then prospectively seeing a, a long-term plan and, and progression for, for that particular group. Um, I said on the previous podcast that I think with the distinct lack of teams available in in this in this professional uh, Philippine Football League, it makes sense to have a development squad that will be made up of guys from the UAP or guys from uh, abroad looking to transition into the national team um, with a developmental focus. Because certainly one of the things where we fell short in in, in actually for the longest time, not just in recent years is anything below the full national team, the youth teams, including the under 22s, 23s, have performed poorly. Mm. So to have that sort of pathway for some of these younger guys to progress through the system, they might not be quite ready to jump into the men's national team just yet, but still be under the watchful eye of the coaching staff on a regular basis. And then being able to uh, play against professional players, to play against national team players in the domestic league, I think can only be a benefit to our, our Philippine youth system and, and also for ultimately the men's team moving forward. Now, it opens up an interesting new dynamic uh, for players who kind of are in and around that area of the team mm. that are sort of um, maybe just on the cusp of, of qualifying for the under-22. Um, a lot of these players who, who apply their trade in the UAP, they play until they're in their 20s. You know, yeah. they're... they're um, some of them are, are knocking on the door at 25 and still out there and, and playing against college kids, you know. So now there's this opportunity where I don't have to maybe play out my entire five years here in the UAP. I could start looking over my shoulder and thinking, hey, maybe I'm good enough to play Askel's development team. Maybe I should start, you know, thinking about uh, getting into the professional league already. Mm. So 
maybe uh, some of these players now will will not will forego uh, their last year or so uh, in the UAP. What do you think about that? Yeah, we, we've obviously seen the announcement. I think it was yesterday that was made by Harvey Gayosa, who's mm. who's going to forego his um, his his final year at uh, at Ateneo. I mean, he's had a very successful time yeah. there. Um, he scored something like fifty goals in at six fifty goals in sixty games or something something ridiculous Whoa. like that. Yeah. Is that his statistics? Uh, and while I would say it's great for him to have had such a success, such a successful collegiate career. Mm. Um and I don't know what his personal circumstances are or what his plans are professionally, whether he wants to be a professional footballer, whether he wants to go into a different avenue yeah. but it seems like with this particular announcement he's looking to now focus his attention on professional football um I, i'm all i'm also a little bit nervous about how this situ situation will, will, will play out because it's it's not like it's an established team yeah and it's not like it's an established league yeah so I, i'm also i'm always very nervous of let's say a player makes a bold decision like that to forego their final year at school I, again, I don't know. Like I said, I, had, I haven't got the the privilege of knowing his his personal circumstances. I hope he still finishes off his schooling, yeah. because I think that's also important. Because the last thing that you want is for someone to forego their academic pursuits to, you know, go after their their dream of becoming a professional footballer. It falls flat, and then there's no fallback. There's no fallback. So I'd always encourage those kids to continue with their academic career. I think that's really really important. Um, but I think from a professional footballer perspective yeah it makes total sense if anything it's probably too late mm. you know he, he probably should have been making that decision three or four years ago because he even as a young kid was more than capable of stepping into professional football what's he now 22 23 he's 22 22 so you know when you compare him to let's say for example Kenshiro Daniels who came over here as a 17 year old yeah. 18 year old and was already playing men's football and you saw how his trajectory went yeah. from being this raw skinny you know, fresh out of high school, pimply kid <laughs> yeah. to, you know, becoming a fully fledged member of the national team. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the sort of the progression that he had in, in, in a relative short period of time. And it was only accelerated because he was playing in a men's league. He was yeah. training with myself, with Masa Amura, with Alfred Asai, you know, from, from, from a relatively young age. And, and you know, I think it's great for Harvey because he's, he's managed to really create this... Um, incredible success for himself at the collegiate level but from a professional standpoint probably should have looked to make that jump a little bit earlier yeah but whether he felt it was the right time whether there was the, the pathway or the outlet for him you know he might have seen it in a different way he might have seen it well, look at the league at the moment it's this it, it, it's it's unstable right you know where would i go and play would i go and play at Ceres? but w realistically would he play yeah if he's going to go to another club outside of Ceres, is it going to be financially viable Mm -hmm. You know, again, these are the sorts of conversations that I'm sure he's having with his advisors. Alvin Acampo obviously is, is his uncle, although mm -hmm. he didn't play for him. That, that I find a bit strange. <laughs> um, you know, so we would love to get Harvey on the show. Maybe we can we can sort of delve into that yeah. uh, in, in a bit more depth. But, um, you know, for me, I, I always think it's important that the kids get these, get their academics in order because I think the fallback... Um, option of having a degree is, is huge and, and what are you going to do after football mm -hmm. you know so I think if there is an avenue to do that then that's great if this development team is able to um, balance 
the academic portion of kids still maybe playing in UAEP, still pursuing their degree and also being able to play as an amateur in the development squad. I think that would be the best right. solution for everybody because they don't have to forego playing for this school. They don't have to forego um, their academic pursuits, but also get the benefit from a potential professional career yeah. of, of, of playing with the likes of, against the likes of Stefan Schrock, against the likes of um, Robert Lopez-Mendy. Yeah. If you're a defender, you know, you want to get bullied by someone like him yeah, and, yeah. and get the experience of what it's like to play against a top class striker. Um, so I'm, I, the ins and outs and the intricacies of, of this process hasn't been announced. And um, I guess these are the sorts of things that the club would have to work out. But my hope is that a, a player, let's say, for example, who's in the UAP does not have to choose one or the other. Mm. And uh, again, Harvey hasn't announced that he's going to be playing on this development squad. Maybe he's got other opportunities, opportunities lined up. I don't know. But what I hope is, is that the, the league, UAP, and everyone involved in this process don't make kids choose between is it an academic pursuit or is it a, a, a professional football pursuit? Because yeah. I think in having a development squad like this, there should be an opportunity for you to balance the two. There's there's an interesting thing that, that's going on uh, at the moment, right? You, you, you talked about them not having to choose, which was the case not so long ago, maybe like five years ago, mm -hmm. you didn't have to choose. You could when they were in the UFL, you mean? Yeah, in the UFL, right? You can play, for example, let's choose Nano Amita. Arno, Arnel mm -hmm. Amita played for FEU, played for Manila Jeepney, yeah. um, and then we went back to FEU, no problems whatsoever because yeah. UFL was a semi-pro league, right? Um, you fast forward two, three years later, and uh, the PFL is around. You no, can no longer, as a UAAP player, play in the PFL and come back to play for FEU. Mm -hmm. That is no longer allowed. Mm -hmm. You could still study though. That's fine. Yeah. Right. Your club can help finance your studies, and if that is your priority, is to finish your studies, then your club can can help you out with that. Right. I mean, Nano and um, Ori Menzi, I believe, are in that situation right yeah. now. They played their last UAP season last year. Mm -hmm. um, they are continuing to play professionally, but they are still finishing their degrees as of the moment. Mm -hmm. Marco Casambri the same way. Yeah. Um, but does it have to be that way? I understand that there, there is a, there is the formation of this professional league. Yes. Right. So, I, I understand that there then becomes eligibility eligibility issues mm -hmm. surrounding that. Yeah. But is there not a way that the PFF and the UAP can can speak with one another and find a common ground with this? Because at the end of the day, it's it's going to be best for the development of the individual player. Mm -hmm. Last thing we want is, and we gave the example in, in I think in the last podcast with with Nano Amita. You know, he was still playing collegiate football when he should have been playing pro football. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely, no question of a doubt. Yeah. But in if you actually to try and find the perfect balance, it would be to have a fully-fledged professional league, mm -hmm. right, where they could play for their school, but also be eligible to play with this development squad. Yeah. And, and if that was something that the, the two parties, the UAP and the PF, P, PFL, PFF, could, could come together on this, then if they could converge and, and, and make a concession or to find a loophole in the system, yeah. Surely that's going to be the, for, for the benefit of, of all of those players in that sort of 18 to 22 age bracket. 100%. I think so. I mean, I think the UAP will need to start making adjustments. Yeah. Um, if they don't, I think they're going to be robbed of some of their best talent in yeah. the next few years. And then, then, and then that will be detrimental to the to the product they're putting out. Yeah. Because UAP is on, on TV now. Yeah. Right? 100%. So it's going to be a real problem because when you look at people like um, Amani Aguinaldo, who did not bother playing his years out in the UAP, went yeah. straight pro and is now playing abroad, right? He played for the national team. Obviously, when you look at it in the lens of just a football career, mm -hmm. 
he's definitely done much better than some of the peers that would have been in his age group, yeah. right? Um, and that is because he gambled and bet on himself mm-hmm. that he was going to be able to succeed professionally. Mm. Um, for a lot of these players, you know, the UAP is kind of like a safety net for them. Yeah. That there's still going to be that place where I can showcase my talent. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, where are you going to go after the UAP? Yeah. It's professionally anyway, right? If you're going to pursue your career. So you can make that jump already. Um, people like Zach Banzun, who did the same thing, just went straight pro. But the thing is, um, that's going to become more regular, I think, down the road, especially if the league normalizes and becomes more of a regular fixture mm-hmm. and isn't like, oh, is there going to be a league next yeah. year? Or maybe not, I don't know. But if it's going to be you know, a bang, uh, it's going to be like uh, bang on every year, for sure there's going to be a league. I think some of the younger players are going to think, what am I doing? What am I doing playing the UAP? Yeah. I mean... If it's if it's really the degree that is keeping me in the UAAP, mm-hmm. then forget it. Don't play UAP anymore. Ask your club if they can finance your schooling. Yeah, which I'm sure they'd be happy to do. You know what I mean? As long as you're there for training sessions and mm-hmm. for games, and um, you know you're you're committed to the squad, then they can do that. They can finance that for you. And I'm sure clubs would be more than happy to do that if you're not going to be halving your time with training with FEU mm-hmm. or NU or whatever other university there is. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that's how I foresee it that UAP will be the one to suffer if they don't bend a little bit with their rules so you think that they're going to end up being more stringent with their rules is that what you're saying you yeah. think they, they're going to try to double down on this fact that like, no no we want to remain amateur we want to maintain that that amateur status for all of our players I think that's going to be the case I mean there's no indication whatsoever that they would bend I mean when you look at the, the pro league in basketball they're very very rigid Mm. With that regard, and I yeah, think but they also the NCAA in America is one of the worst, most corrupt organizations mm. on the planet. Yeah, we have to be clear about that. Okay, they're a despicable organization. <laughs> yeah, you know, they they've been ripping off their kids for exactly de- for decades. They they you know when you look at the profile of NCA, the fact that we even know about it is 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 uh, a testament to the profile that they have as a league over there in the United States. Yeah. And there are players out there, household names that we know uh, even before they enter the NBA draft. They're already household names, right? They don't make any money. They don't make any money, which is outrageous because the league makes so much. The, the school makes so much. Yeah. The conferences make so much money. The UAP makes so much money. I mean, you could cross the ball over and there's an ad for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you rebound the ball, there's an ad for that. Jesus, everything you do, there's, there's money. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. So, I mean... It begs to, to I mean, it is, there's an argument to be made that these players deserve a little bit of that money. I mean, they're bringing the eyeballs to the, to the, to the telly. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they're bringing the eyeballs in the stadium. Um, Kiefer Ravenna, these individuals, you know what I mean? They deserve a little bit, and they're, they're having to find loopholes in order to make their money, right? Endorsement deals that, um, I don't know, who's getting paid? Is it the mother? Is it you know the brother whatever it's like you have to find loopholes because technically you're not allowed to make money yeah. from playing basketball where other people are exploiting your image your skills they're making money off of you yeah. why can't you make money off of yourself that's are, weird are you also looking at it from a perspective of if this happens for football so let's say the pff and the, and the uap football individuals are involved yeah then say okay look, we'll make a concession here do you feel as though what uap might be worried about is is that going to open the floodgates for basketball mm. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because if you have one, if you have one concession for one sport, are you gonna have to make them for all other sports? As well? Yeah. 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 That's gonna be the thing, and, I, and and that's why I I trust that they're they're gonna take a hard stance on it. It's okay. either you choose this or that. Yeah. And I think that's that's the point where um some of these young kids are gonna need good guidance. They're gonna need managers and mm. agents to look at them and tell them that, listen, you're already too good for this level, right? You're only hampering your development by staying two, three more years at this at this UAP level, mm-hmm. you know? Because when you look at it um, objectively, some of these guys don't belong there anymore. Harvey shouldn't have been playing there last year. To be honest with you, he could have played at 15, 16. Yeah. In the UFL. So imagine if he had played, he's 22 now, if he's had five years of experience playing at that level. He'd have 200 games right now, probably league games. Right? I mean, would Harvey be playing at left back at the SEA games <laughs> if he had five years under his belt? You know And what if I mean? he was, he'd be doing it for five years and he'd be really bloody good. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? So it's just a shame because you, you look at these college players, they've got more hype around them than some of the young, promising talent that are coming through right now in the, in the professional league, right? Sure. Some of these guys, don't, you don't know them. You've never heard of them, but they're very, very good. Um, they've got less of a profile than... JB Borlonga mm-hmm. and you know all these kids that you feel as if they should be playing in the professional league already and then a lot of these guys they jump in and then they fall flat and you see that they're not even close they're yeah. not even close to that level yet. Yeah. you know what I mean um, and we know this a little bit more because over the last few years when you look at the sides like JPV Green Archers man the, the learning curve is so steep mm-hmm. that they're forced to get on that level uh, immediately mm-hmm. um it's nice to see actually that after you know a few games, after getting smashed a couple times, they, they make that adjustment so quickly. Yeah. Then you know the Nathan Alquiroses, the, the Matthew Neris's who were, you know, not a lot of hype behind them. They're proper players. Yeah. Proper players now. So yeah. you know, I, I would personally be a huge advocate for getting people involved in the professional game much, much earlier. Yeah. What I hope with that then is is that the clubs have a duty of care to the kid. So the last thing you want is, let's say, for example, you sign Harvey Garza at 16. Yeah. Right. So he foregoes his, his, his eligibility to play in, in college. He gets injured, mm. breaks his leg. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. You promised me that you're going to pay for my degree when I, mm-hmm. well, yeah, sorry, but you got injured. So yeah, we're not mm. going to cover that. We're already paying for your medical fees. We're already paying for this. We're already paying for that. And that's always going to be, I feel, especially with the Filipino uh, community, the the sort of the security blanket of having a degree at the end of it is is going to supersede having a pro contract where you could earn money straight away yeah. for a lot of these for a lot of these parents. Um, and I can't argue against that too much, just because of the uneven footing of the of the league yeah. and, kind of, and currently where it stands even with the d- development squad I don't know how official that is yet you know I see them posting for trials you know they, they've announced that they were going to be in the league but again is it going to be for one year two years three years mm-hmm. you know we, we don't know um, so that's always the trade-off that's why for me in an ideal scenario you could have either the club you know, guarantee that they will cover their academic pursuits. Yeah. Exactly what, what you said. It means that they're not having to go spend mornings off, afternoons off from training. They're gonna they're not gonna skip any games because they're gonna be with you all the time. Yeah. Um and they can plan their academic 
schedule around your training times. So that, that that shouldn't be a problem. So that that, that is the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. The best of both worlds on on the flip side would be if if the school and and, and the governing bodies at UAP or whoever whatever sporting um, uh, governing association there is, they can come up with an agreement where the players can play for the national team. Yeah as a development squad without the fear of foregoing their academic um, eligibility yeah is that going to happen i don't know yeah i don't know and while from a development standpoint as a footballer it makes total sense to get these kids in and playing professional football as young as possible and if they're ready then go for it yeah but is the monetary benefits there at the moment unless you're at Sarah's, probably not yeah. So that's one thing you have to consider. And then what if a player does get injured? What if a player loses form and then the club decides, actually, mm. that gamble we, we, we made on you isn't going to pay off. We don't see it paying off. Yeah. Sorry, we're going to kick you to the curb. And then where does it leave that individual? Yeah. You know, that's, it's not in Europe where you've got, you know, four divisions. If you're at a Premier League club and you get released, you can drop down a level and you can drop down a level. You can go to play semi-pro, earn good money and then work. Mm. It's not like that here. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not like that here. It's not like if you're in the US, we're going to go to a top, top university, probably get a really, really good degree. And even if you don't make it, okay, I've come out of a school with a with a with a top level degree. Yeah, it's just not like that here. So I'd always be while well, I get what you're saying with the fact that look, from a developmental standpoint, you look at the Armani Aguinaldos of this world. That's mm. it, is he the exception or yeah. is he the rule? At the moment, I would say he's the exception. Yeah, um, there's plenty of other players who probably dabbled with professional football, you know, gone in and played for a club, hasn't worked out. Now they're trying to find their feet in the workplace. So I don't know. I I really struggle with that and I don't have the answer because it's completely uncharted territory right now. Um, But I'd be interested to see how this this whole thing pans out because ideally I would love to see them come up with a way and a solution where people don't have to forego their academics. Yeah. I think that's really, really important, especially in the culture that we're in. I think that's what makes this ASCAL's development team so much more important, right? Because it's it's kind of that middle ground, right? Where, you, like you said, I'm not fully-fledged professional. I'm in this development team. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, you know, uh, what the payment situation is if you're part of the development team or what kind of compensation you're, you're, you're receiving. But that seems like a nice loophole, right? That I am playing in a professional league but with an amateur setup. Therefore, I can now go back and still finish my degree and play mm. for my university. Yeah. That would be the best case scenario. Yeah. But how many players are good enough to play for that development team, mm. right? As opposed to opening the doors up and allowing, you know, Mendiola to take in. Maybe there should be an allotment for, you know, each team gets an opportunity to pick up two, three developmental players, yeah. right? Then that way you can spread it out a little bit more, right? That will yeah. be you know, uh, not, you're not just restricted to the stars, yeah. so to speak, uh, of that level. Then there will be individuals who might surprise you. I think even in the in the Premier League now, you have to have an allocation of homegrown players. Okay. All so right. there, there is a mandate that you have to have an allocation of homegrown players. I forget what the exact number is uh, in the squad because then they start to get a little bit creative with who's homegrown and who's not. Right, right. But, um, but I, I think that would be another real benefit to these guys. You know, if, if you said rather than having them have it to forego their academics and, and, and eligibility status. Can you come up with a solution whereby, no, you actually have to have some of these guys mm. on mm. your roster. Because yeah. Ceres would never have a problem, right? They'd have, they already have the attachment with the university. Yeah. So it'd just be a case of putting those guys on the roster. Uh, and, it, and it ties in with some other stuff that we said before. Then we could maybe have an affiliation with these, with these clubs and then the, the schools 
whereby people can have that trade-off of, right, well, we can provide the academic mm. benefits. Mm. We can provide the footballing provision. Yeah. And then it ties into the other thing which we said before, which is creating this cultural um, benefit for, right, well, we've got Ateneans in our club. Yeah. They're now playing in the first team. Maybe the school will come out and support us. Yeah. Maybe the school will have a little bit more of an affinity to Mindiola, for example. Oh, so Mindiola sound better, right? So yeah. that's a bad example. Um, I wouldn't say Green Archers either because they have the school. But Kai, let's say Kai have an affiliation with Ateneo. Maybe they would then come out to Kai Games to go and watch Harvey, to go and watch Nina Herrera. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 and, and if Nina Herrera breaks his leg, can't play football anymore, at least then he would have the backup to, to, to pursue his academic career at Ateneo. You mm -hmm. know? So these are the sorts of things that I, sort of on a bigger picture, on a larger scale, I'd really hope to see that kind of um, pathway yeah. because not everyone's going to be, be a professional footballer. You know, but but to offering offer these kids these opportunities and these avenues to pursue if they get injured, if they don't make the grade, if they don't want to play football anymore. Yeah. But at least then there's there's that duty of care from the club, and then there's there's scope for them to develop their themselves within the academic system, so they don't lose out. Yeah. Don't lose out because that's always the the, the, the nervousness that I have when you ever these types of agreements are made. Yeah. Is a kid gonna go pro when he thinks it's gonna be the be for the benefit of them long term, and then it doesn't work out? Where does it leave them? Right. That's definitely something that needs to be considered in all of this, yeah. right? Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation that we have going on at the moment. It's almost as if you have to be able to, you have to be willing to throw out all the context of what we're in right now. It's like you have to go back to first principle thinking. Like, <laughs> what is the best way that we can create these footballers or to create the best possible culture to develop the best footballers whilst not... Um, sidelining those that fall through the cracks, yeah. right? And you, if you're if you're gonna get stuck thinking about, okay, this is what the landscape is. So let's try to manipulate the landscape so that we can, you know, figure out how to how to do this. It's almost like it's gonna be more difficult than just scrapping everything and start from Probably scratch, again. right? It seems like that would be the better approach, right? And if somebody could provide that system, um, smarter individuals than us to just like look at this. This seems like the best way to do it. Uh, everybody benefits. Can we approve this or not? Or at least put it out there publicly so that people can have an opportunity to uh, chastise yeah. individuals mm. who are against, you know, the the mold that we're hoping for. Um, that would be that would be the ideal scenario. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of like looking through the system and and finding what is the best way yeah. that we can come out of this where yeah. we don't sacrifice the likes of Harvey. Um, I, I would I love talking about Amita because it, 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 it stresses me out and, and frustrates me that he is 25 already whereas he was a huge talent at full of potential now he's kind of making up for lost time is he the same age as Amani? Um, same year group same batch I know they played together I think didn't so they? I think they're around the same yeah him which is scary for me yeah you know it's like uh, Amani has played a lot already you know he's tested himself yeah, yeah he's tested himself he's been through so many like challenging times already he's had a dip in form that he's had to deal with where he's kind of been cast aside and now he's played his way back it's you know and he's only 25 so you don't want to wait until you're 28 27 to go through those things you know yeah. so he's well ahead and it has he's a, he's definitely an example but as you said an exception that you know, he bet on himself and, and decided that he's going to go pro. And there was a lot of people who were hoping for him to, to fail. 
because he was a brash kid and yeah. he was you know you have to have that confidence in you to to, to excel at, at such a young age and there are people like he's demanding this much demanding this and that i hope he fails and you know that's that's not something that you want to wish on a kid <laughs> no you know what i mean he's figuring himself out he's trying to learn like what were you when you were 20 man yeah. i was an absolute moron when i was 20 21 you know what i mean yeah. so it's 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 tough for these kids, especially when you're 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 banking on a sport where at any moment in time, anything could happen. And it, yeah. it doesn't even have to be in a game. It could be yeah. a training session. You get stepped on, and that's it. You know, you're out for the season. Mm. Whatever. It's a, it's a volatile sport, yeah. right? So, I mean, one thing I'm excited about with this with this project is, you know, we've seen it in the S League. I think it's a positive move mm. for the for the domestic football scene to have this pathway for these kids. Um, I'm hoping that it will try to connect the dots with some of the younger age groups so it does actually have the feel of, okay, those who are coming through the pipeline, they know, okay, then this is my logical progression. Yeah. So once I'm in the U17 national team, U19 national team, this is my next logical step, is to be in this in this program. Um, because I think that's important. It's important for the youth development of the underage national teams to have that at least that clear vision of this is where it's going to go. And I'm not saying that there is, there is a clear vision right now, but it seems like a good move mm. um, for these kids on that development pathway to have the opportunity to rub shoulders with, like you said, some national team players and some you know, well-established seasoned veterans who, who played in the professional league for a long time. Um, and I'm just really intrigued to see how, how they perform because yeah. they obviously they tried in the, in the cup yeah. and they did okay. Didn't make it out of the group, but they, they held their own. It wasn't yeah. any kind of crazy blowout. So in that respect, it was a it was a good sort of litmus test to see where they would stand. I know they played yesterday in a, in a friendly against Stallions. They, they, they drew 1-1. So, yeah, I, th I think it's it's a good move. It's a good move. And, and look, we've come on the show and we, we, we've talked about negative aspects of the PFF, but I think this is a positive move yeah. from, from them. So let's see. I, I'm hoping that they can give a good account of themselves in the league and then also provide a really positive outlet for some of these developmental players to come here, experience playing with, uh, with the youth national team and potentially showcase themselves as players that you can push forward into the full squad. The interesting thing as well is that the coaches, I'm pretty sure, are, are very much encouraging of this development. You know, They want to encourage their players to go out and test themselves in the PFL. So whether the league agrees with that or not, is going to be you know subject to debate or is left to be seen but i know the coaches are, are wanting to push their players they know the level mm -hmm. that there's at the gap in level between the the collegiate and professional game and they want to bridge that gap so this is might be one of those um first few steps that we see in in, in perhaps finding a bridge between those two um you know it'll be very interesting if there are individuals out there listening right now who have ideas about the best ways to tweak the UAP or what do you guys think about the the ASCAL's development team and this new development um, in the professional game we'd love to hear your thoughts you know uh, send it over our way over on our social media on Facebook on Twitter and on Instagram and as always don't forget to subscribe to the show on YouTube Spotify and Apple Podcasts um, yeah UAP season just around the corner and uh, we, we hope the best for everybody involved. Thank you for watching this episode of Across the Line.